0: Are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on everyone? Welcome back in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode is brought to you by Fantasy Live. Do you have any fantasy football questions that you need answered before the draft? Don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will be answering your questions live, or you can submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. A good amount of stuff to talk about on this Tuesday edition of the show. I want to discuss expectations for each member of the 2021 football recruiting class and what to expect from those true freshmen we'll talk about the offensive side of the ball in the first segment and then the defense in the second segment and we'll finish the episode out talking a little bit about the non-conference schedule diving into those four games and and analyzing their respective playing styles and what's the plausibility of Louisville coming out of each of those games with a win Uh, before we get into it my name is Dalton Pence. For those who are not aware of who I am, you can follow me on Twitter at dpence underscore. I am a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a recruiting analyst and a feature writer. Um, I am formerly a part of Its Big Red Louby in the state of Louisville, and I also do some backup PA announcing work for the university in various sports such as soccer, baseball, lacrosse, field hockey. You can also find the Locked on Louisville podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville, So Let's dive right on into it. I think that the Flyville 21 class was one to remember for the Cardinal program, especially in today's realm. I think that when it's all said and done, it's going to be one of the better recruiting classes of the 21st century. And if you followed any of my work, you understand that I am extremely high on this class. And what, what it seems like is that we're going to see more true freshmen play this year than we have in years past. Maybe, um, you know, that might be a little bit too ambitious because we haven't seen even one snap of a football game yet. But I do believe that um, as camp progresses, we're going to see more of those freshmen pop out of the woodwork. So let's dive right on in talking about the offense We'll begin with the offensive line. The cards signed two offensive linemen and Michael Gonzalez and Aaron Gunn. Both are fitting the M.O. of what Satterfield is starting to recruit, and that's more size on the line than what little fans are probably used to in the past five, six, seven years. It seems like we're hearing more about Gonzalez than Gunn, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because there's a lot of depth and experience on that offensive line. And uh, Jack McNeil, the new offensive line coach, said that they're going to go about 8 to 10 deep. I'm not sure that either one is going to crack into that rotation. Like I said, not necessarily a bad thing. There were some positive r- reports coming out about Gonzalez in spring ball and how well he's starting to catch on to things and learn the playbook, and also you know just how you know big of a guy Aaron Gunn is in terms of strength and brute force. I believe that both of these guys are going to be players for the cards down the road, but I think that that's the key thing we need to focus on, and that is being down the road. I'm not sure that it's going to be this year unless some injuries take place, so I wouldn't necessarily look for either one of them to crack into that rotation, but at the end of the day, stranger things have happened. Both of these guys are very talented, so it wouldn't necessarily be unheard of, but it's going to be difficult for both those guys to get some meaningful, substantial snaps in 2021. Let's move on to quarterbacks. The cards technically took two guys at the position. The first one being dual threat TJ Lewis, 6'4, 186 out of Brunswick, Georgia. Wasn't necessarily highly rated coming out of high school, a middle of the road three star. The other one being a late addition in JUCO quarterback Brock Doman. Doman, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that, but came from Independent CC, which is uh, one of the hosts of Last Chance U on Netflix. So um, that's always good to be able to go check out. But I don't necessarily expect either of them to see significant snaps in 2021 unless something goes horribly wrong with injuries with Malik Cunningham and Evan Conley. Knock on wood, I hope that is not the case, but um, you you just never truly know. But I think that both are going to need to improve significantly to see significant snaps in the future, but shouldn't be expected to see probably any this year unless it's a true blowout just because you do have Malik Cunningham, you do have Evan Conley. Um, in terms of the running back position, the Cards took one in four-star running back Travion Cooley, who I've gone on record multiple times saying that he is one of my favorite recruits in this class. I think he's going to be dynamic. Various personnel from Scott Satterfield to running backs coach Darrell Sims to Jalen Mitchell. Um, there's a lot of people who are very high on Cooley. He kind of was like a deer in headlights in the spring, you know, taking time to learn the playbook and stuff like that. But after that, heading into fall camp and early on in preseason camp, he has shown out. He's shown flashes. It'll be interesting to see where he's at in the depth chart just because they can probably go about four to five, maybe even six deep at that position. Uh, but he is I think he's going to earn – a good amount of snaps this season and going to be one of those situations where it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. Jalen Mitchell is the starter. Hassan Hall, Jawar Jordan are going to be solid change of pace backs. Maurice Berkeley's back from injury and fully healthy. You have a guy like Aiden Robbins who's knocking on the door trying to get some touches. So the opportunities might necessarily not be there for Cooley in the first year, but I don't think that's going to be indicative of the level of talent. Or just how ready he is, but I do think he could have a Travis Etienne type freshman season like uh, Etienne did at Clemson in the sense of whenever his number was called, he made the most out of it. I think his yards per carry is going to be kind of like Jalen Mitchell's last year in that 6.7 to 7 yards per carry. So, going to be very interesting to look after his freshman season. Moving on to another skill position at tight end, the Cards took a pair in California native Christian Peterson and Vic Mullen from Illinois. Um, Two very different skill sets as Vic Mullen is more of a blocking tight end. Peterson will be more involved in the receiving portion of the offense. However, like the offensive line, like the quarterback situation, I'm not so sure how much these tight ends are going to get in terms of significant snaps. I think both could end up playing special teams right away. The good thing that does bode well for both of them is that you do have Marshawn Ford as kind of a traditional tight end, but he is going to play more of that H-back, which will open up the ability to for another tight end to step into the system. And I think that we're going to see more of two tight end scenarios for Louisville this season. You do have guys like Des Melton, Isaac Martin, Francis Sherman that are ahead of both of these guys right now, but we know how much Satterfield and Company like to utilize their tight ends. I think if I had to take a guess, I could see maybe Vic Mullen at the end of the day possibly moving to fullback later on down the road just because of how you know strong he is and how well he is able to move with his size. I know fullbacks aren't necessarily popular in this offense, but I could see certain packages where he lines up like Marshawn Ford just to block. So... With the rotation of guys in that situation, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever to see either of these guys get some significant snaps. At wide receiver, there's Amari Huggins-Bruce and Mechie Cannon, which if you ask... Any of the wide receivers, especially Braden Smith, he's high on both of these guys, especially Huggins-Bruce. Smith said that he's got a ton of speed. He's very twitchy, which kind of matches up to what a lot of people have scouted him as, is a you know a change of pace receiver that will get a lot of yards after catch. He's very shifty, makes a lot of guys miss. Um, Michi can is more of an aerial threat, go up and get the ball at his big size. Satterfield confirmed at media day on Saturday that they're Comfortable with about six to seven guys in that wide receiving room right now. I think it's going to be a little bit of time before we see Michi Cannon. But I do think Amari Huggins-Bruce is going to get some opportunities more so as the season progresses. And I think he's going to excel. He's one of my favorite recruits in this class. I constantly compare him to former Florida International star and Indianapolis Colt T.Y. Hilton with just his ability to make guys miss. It's, it's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. So there's a good amount of players on offense that might not necessarily see significant snaps right away. Um, There are some that will. However, um, it couldn't be any more different than what we could see possibly on the defense. We'll talk about that. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing makes and models, it's not possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? When you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, RockAuto saves you time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can choose Rock Auto, which is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years? The prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. So do yourself a favor go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. You can write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they can know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I know that car parts can be tricky and oftentimes frustrating. I know also that betting can pose the same issues. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? But is that really that surprising? Because the game is rigged against you. You're literally playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. That's why I want you to introduce Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You had the advantage, Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else simply does that. You were in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, which is one-on-one. You can play Stat Hero now and change the odds. So do yourself a favor, go to stathero.com/lockedon, sign up for free, and right now you can get 3 times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match that is simply unheard of in this business. So go to StatHero.com slash LockedOn. Once again, that is StatHero.com slash LockedOn. So we are continuing our discussion on the expectations of Flyville 21, which is Lowell's 2021 football recruiting class. We talked about the offense. Let's get into the defense, beginning with the guys on the defensive line. There's a handful of them stemming from Caleb Banks and R.J. Sorensen. Also, you have Ashton Gelati, Vic Brown, and Raheem Craig on the end. There's you know, a lot of talent that's coming into the program at a position to where they need quality depth, uh, as we've mentioned on this podcast before. And if you're a Louisville fan, you are obviously aware that Ashton Gelati is killing it in the offseason and in fall camp. I expect him to be a starter by the end of the season, opposite of Yaya Diaby. I think the talent level is there. He's gained about 40 pounds since he's joined the program in January. I think the sky is the limit for him. Everyone raised about his ability. I don't want to create unrealistic expectations for him and make it unfair, but I think it's just a testament to how well he is performing thus far I think he's going to continue to show that he is the real deal and I think it's going to translate onto the field as well going into his sophomore season I think he's going to be one of the players to watch for on this level of defense there's a handful of guys in Caleb Banks and Vic Brown that are extremely talented that just might fall victim to a large depth chart that is very crowded, especially for Kayla Banks, the nose tackle who is going to have to go up against Malik Clark, Dez Till, Jacques Turner. It's very crowded in that nose tackle positional battle, but that's something that the cards haven't had for a couple seasons. So it's definitely welcomed, but uh, Mark Ivey went on record saying in his press conference last week that Caleb Banks does some quote-unquote outlandish stuff in terms of talent and production, and um, once he gets acclimated, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field when the opportunity comes. I'm not so sure when that opportunity comes. I'm a little bit more enthusiastic about the positional battle that Vic Brown has to endure I mentioned Aston Gelati and Yaya Diaby are the guys that I think are going to be starting by the end of the season. Uh but you also have Tiberius Peterson, you have Mason Riger. you have other guys like Ramon Perrier, uh etc. So it's very crowded at the ends and only two guys are going to start, but there's going to be rotations. There is a lot of experience at the position and there's a lot of talent as well. So I think that Brown is is a player that Mark Ivy was also identifying as a guy that's going to be extremely good in the future. It, it seems like both he and Banks are going to be victims of a crowded defensive line room. But uh, one thing that was interesting about Mark Ivey's assessment on Vic Brown was that he carries himself extremely well and he has that alpha personality to where when he's in the room or when he's playing he's always leading by example he's always striving to do things the right way which is what you should do but having that effect on other guys in the program as a freshman and being kind of a leader by example that bodes well for his opportunities that I think that are going to come at the middle-to-end part of the season. So it's going to be interesting to watch those two guys try to rise up the depth charts. I think they will. I think they're going to get some opportunities, albeit small, to prove themselves. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case for Raheem Craig and R.J. Sorensen. I think that Sorensen is defensive end currently that's going to transition to defensive tackle due to his – and Raheem Craig is extremely twitchy and very – quick and has a ton of speed and burst but it seems like you know getting him in the weight room getting him acclimated with his footwork is what the cards are going to do I think that they're going to have developmental seasons where they work on fundamentals getting their bodies right and getting conditioned to where you know if need be they might be able to step in as uh you know in a blowout situation but I think both these guys are going to be projects for the future and it's going to it's going to take them a little while which there's no shame in that but I think that at the end of the day that's what's going to happen moving on to the linebacking core the cards brought in a handful most notably Jackson Hamilton Jalen Alderman uh, safety TJ Quinn is now listed as a linebacker so um, there's you know a trio of guys at the position that I'm extremely excited about when you look at a guy like Jalen Alderman It's interesting because at media day, he was a guy that Brian Brown said was going to be a very special football player in this program. Monty Montgomery and C.J. Avery also echoed that sentiment. Uh, Monty went on record saying that whenever it was time to pass the torch, that he was very comfortable doing so to Jalen and Jackson Hamilton, two guys that might not be in the rotation right away because there is some quality veteran depth like K.J. Cloyd, Dorian Jones, etc., it's just going to be tough for these guys to break into the rotation, but with the amount of guys that are cycling in and out and with the card and the dog positions and the you know linebackers being very versatile in this system, I could definitely see any of those two hopping in. TJ Quinn, I believe, was listed as a third string in the initial preseason depth chart, um, which is very interesting because he plays like a linebacker but came out of high school as a safety. Very interested to see how that works out because all three of these guys are hard-hitting uh, linebackers that can play solid in coverage and they can go sideline to sideline. I look at Jalen Alderman like a James Burgess. Jackson Hamilton reminds me of more of a Keith Kelsey and um you know TJ Quinn is kind of in that James Burgess James sample type hybrid type skill set. So I am extremely excited for Alderman. I think that Alderman's gonna play probably more out of the three. I think that you know this is kind of a play for the future for these three guys, but I do think that Alderman's going to get some significant snaps with the, the hard-hitting abilities that he has. Moving on to the end in the secondary, most recently they brought in Juco safety Shavrick Williams, uh, Juco cornerback Trey Franklin, but also, most notably, four-star defensive back Ben Perry, who's the highest rated recruit in the class, uh, high three-star safety Braylon Oliver. You also have uh, a trio of cornerbacks in Kenai Walker, Derek Edwards. Rance Connor, who are possibly going to see some time, especially at the cornerback position to where the depth is made up of very inexperienced and young guys like Greedy Vance, who is listed as a could be starter by Brian Brown, um, if something were to happen to Kittrell Clark or Chandler Jones injury wise. Yeah, he's a COVID freshman. So there's not a lot of experience at the position. You know, Brian Brown has gone on record saying that Kenai Walker, Edwards, Connor are going to get their opportunities this season, especially Walker. Uh, Chandler Jones and Gattrell Clark both talked about how well he is performing. And a guy like Trey Franklin from Juco, since he's been here, he's been a sponge. So I think Walker and Franklin are going to see the most time at the cornerback position. In terms of the safety position, Ben Perry listed as a starter. Braylon Oliver is a backup or I believe he's a third string, but regardless and then Shaverick Williams just came into the program. So I think it you know Williams and Connor are probably plays for the future for the cards. Uh, ben Perry, you know the writing is on the wall for him to have a solid season. I think he's going to be a rotational guy, if not the guy next to Ken Duncan Jr. and Braylon Oliver. I think is going to surprise a lot of people and be a solid rotational guy as well. So I know we went a little bit over on that segment, but uh, we are not sorry whatsoever. The thing that I'm not sorry about is telling you all about BetOnline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, so you can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as the teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website right now on your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON because BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Uh, the last segment of the day, I want to transition into the non-conference schedule. There's four games slated for the Cardinals in the 2021 campaign. The team opens up against Ole Miss and Atlanta on Labor Day. And then the following week, we'll have the home opener against EKU, followed by Central Florida. And then the last game of the season, obviously, is the battle of the Bluegrass against the Kentucky Wildcats. So we're going to break that slate down a little bit. Uh, for starters, I, you know, I don't want to disrespect EKU, but I think that this should be an easy win for the Cards as it usually is. Um, And as I mentioned in a podcast in the first week of what I expect the Cards to do in the non-conference slate is truly just to go 500, you know, split two and two, you beat EKU and then win one of the three games against the other foes. I talked a little bit about Ole Miss on the Monday pod and how dynamic that offense is, but the defense is still trying to figure things out. So it's going to be one of those things to where if the Cards can not turn the ball over and I feel like I'm, you know, one of those pages that is simply, you know, listing the facts as the most literal way possible. Say, oh yeah, if you don't turn the ball over and you score more points, you're obviously going to win the game. But I think, you know, with the team having turned the ball over so much last year, there has to be a focus on ball security and probably creating some turnovers as well because Matt Corral and uh, on Ely is going to be one of the better quarterback running back duos in the SEC, um, and also with how dynamic I believe that Louisville's offense can be. I think it's going to be a shootout, and it's just going to be a matter of who can hold on to the ball better and whose defense can create more turnover. So I think the turnover margin is going to be the main thing to focus on in that game. In terms of the other games, I think Central Florida is the game that a lot of little fans are overlooking, and let me go out on the record saying right now, do not do that. I caution you to take this team seriously. Their defense is to be determined. Um, they simply were not a good defensive team last year, but um, Central Florida with new head coach Gus Malzon is looking to turn the page from a 6-4 and four season last year. And, you know, it's an offense that is going to be one of the best offenses in the country. They were second in the nation in yards last year, eighth in total points. They scored 42 points per game and just, you know, over 568 yards per contest. They bring back eight starters on that offense. That offense is going to be high-octane. And if the Louisville defense isn't careful, you know I mean, this could definitely be another type of shootout. But what bodes well for the Cards against Central Florida, number one, it's at home. And who knows what the oh well, COVID is going to play in the grand scheme of things. Are we going to go back to limited capacity at some point during the season? If so, when is that going to be? Uh, these questions are probably going to be answered here in the next couple weeks, depending on I can't imagine that COVID gets reversed and uh, the trend starts Uh, you know shifting the pendulum and cases start going down but I don't want to get you know too much into that Um, but that does really bring up a valid point of how much home field advantage are the cards going to have I do think that the game against Central Florida is going to be rocking no matter how many people are in the stands but like I mentioned one thing that bodes well for the Cardinals is that the defense that the Knights had last year was very very bad um, that's a very blunt way to put it, but at the end of the day, it was simply not good. And like I mentioned, I'm not sure if it's going to be, um, you know, as good as Ole Miss's defense. But I don't think it's going to be absolutely bottom of the FBS. I think it's going to be, you know, somewhat bad, but you know, kind of in the middle of those two. So Louisville's going to be able to score a good amount of points on the Knights, but they're also going to have to be careful because if they're not the knights might you know double them up in scoring because they do have that potential with starters back they have a lot of experience they have a lot of talent and Think what you will about Gus Malzon and how he ended at Auburn. He is a guy that's had a ton of success at the highest level in college football, so you have to respect what he can do, and especially at a smaller program like that. I'm very excited for it. I consider Central Florida a rival dating back to those games in the AAC, so it'll be interesting, but definitely do not overlook the Knights because if so, they might just hang 40 in Cardinal Stadium and we don't want a repeat of what happened in I believe 2013 was the year. Yeah, I'm starting to lose track of time a little bit. But um, moving on to the last game of the season, Kentucky is at the very end. And I know people are going to dislike me for this, but I don't think that the Cards are going to end up beating the Cats. It was and still is the battle in the trenches. And that's one thing that Mark Stoops has done extremely well, is that he's recruited the trenches and got those guys beefed up. The offensive line, you know, is always one of the best in the conference. It's going to continue to be that way. The defensive line is bringing some guys back. Josh Pascal is back. They've gotten some big time transfers uh, uh, from Ole Miss. They also brought in some other players. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh, offensive starting offensive tackle from LSU, Dari Rosenthal. So it's it's going to be tough to. Matchup with Kentucky, I don't think it's going to be a trouncing by any means when Lynn Bowden ran all over the team. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the new Penn State transfer uh, Levis does and how that new offense is going to transpire with uh, the new offensive coordinator from the Rams. So we'll see how things are able to transition. I do think skill position wise, the cards match up well with Kentucky, but it's going to be a a matter of winning the trenches. The cards have gotten better. I think it's probably going to be a seven to 10 point game, but my gut is telling me that the cats are still just a little bit better in that regard. And they play to their strengths. Like I mentioned, winning two out of the four games is not out of the realm of possibility, nor reason. Um, So, I think that if you made me pick of what games that Louisville is going to win, I think it's going to be Eastern Kentucky and Central Florida. And I think the games against Ole Miss and Kentucky could be flips as well, just kind of depending on the turnover battle, how good the defense has gotten, and just how well the offensive line is able to hold its form and stuff like that. So overall, we talked about Flyville 21 and discussed some individual expectations for guys on both sides of the ball and then we dove a little bit into the four-game non-conference slate and what to expect from all four of those teams. Uh, Tomorrow is going to flip the script and go into the conference slate. We're going to talk about what games Louisville should win, what games Louisville will probably lose, and what games are going to be up-in-the-air contests that could determine the Um, overall success of the season but before we get out of here like I mentioned you can find me on Twitter at defense underscore the podcast Twitter page is LO underscore Louisville also want to discuss a little bit about sports betting because Locked on Bets is now available. Wherever you like to get your podcast, betting on the cards does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, you can get daily picks, blowout specials, and wrong team favorite picks along with Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Be sure to follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you like to get your podcasts. That's going to do it all for us today on this Tuesday edition of the show. Uh, before we get out of here, be sure to check out the Locked On ACC podcast. I've mentioned it 100 times. I'll mention it again. To better understand the state of the Louisville program across all athletics as it pertains to the conference, the best way to learn about the conference is through the Locked On ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper, which is a good way to increase your knowledge on all things ACC. That's going to do it all for us today. Everyone have a good rest of this fine Tuesday, and we'll see you tomorrow.